With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Punk Rock MBA podcast. Hey, well, thanks for uh, thanks for making time for this. So you are you're on the road right now. Yeah. Yeah, I have a couple of days off right now. I'm just at my house in Austin resting but uh we're going to denver in like two days playing the last couple shows of tour cool if you're up for it we can take some questions later on if you are interested and you have time if not that's totally cool too Uh, but i'm going to turn off the chat so i'm not going to see everybody talking anymore but welcome to the podcast i'm really excited for this one hell yeah i'm really excited to be here man we've been talking about doing this for like two years now maybe gosh yeah i'm sorry it's been a while a while we're finally doing it yeah yeah well I guess for for anybody who's not familiar, who you know, maybe I, I, I would guess a lot of people have heard me talk about you in videos and stuff. But um, just kind of give everybody an introduction. Uh, I don't actually remember what the first song of yours was that I heard. Probably the one that was on a story. I don't remember the name of it. Um, but uh, uh, oh yeah, room to breathe. Yeah, room to breathe. I th- yeah, yeah. I, I think that was the first one that I heard. But what really kind of caught my eye is the the video you did where I'm really bad at remembering song names, but the one where you're wearing like the nail shirt. Man, I don't think I'm it's your song. Maybe it's uh, Won't Let This Go. Was I wearing a nail shirt in that one? I don't I don't remember. But in any case, I was like, oh, OK, I got to oh, I got to oh, look oh. into this a little more. It's uh, it was me in 93. Yes. Um, Stu Gotham in like 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That yeah. that was the one that I know. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Not to say that. You know, I mean, there's plenty of people that wear nail shirts just because they look cool. But, you know, <laughs> I, I don't think maybe not that many people, certainly not in your kind of world. So that kind of made me look a little bit deeper. And I just I, I really I really enjoyed it, um, especially like Old Me is probably like my favorite song of this whole kind of era because yeah. it, it just feels it's fun. But um I don't know. It just it just makes me wish I was a lot younger because <laughs> I could hang out with you guys and be like, man, this is what I would be doing if I was a lot younger. So yeah, I guess all that is just to say that's kind of you know that's that's kind of what me what got me uh, into your music and kind of what what makes it special to me. But for anybody who is you know not familiar and is like, oh, is he one of these emo rappers? How would you describe your music and especially you know these days? um well i guess like i definitely came like from that emo rap scene originally but like i grew up playing you know in like post-hardcore bands metalcore bands um for a long time like since i was really young like 12 13 years old i started just grinding it out in the local dallas scene you know playing in various bands and doing small tours and so i think my approach to the emo rap sound from the beginning was a little different but i'm definitely like more nowadays incorporating all those uh kind of earlier influences more and more into my music and trying to create more of like a hybrid sound you know and yeah that's that's i don't know what to really call it you know like i feel like there might be like a better term for it at some point that'll come along because like i like when people ask me what i make now i'm like ah, it's like emo screamo like just call it screamo (laughs) 
just can never go yeah. wrong with that or hard rock. <laughs> yeah. Um, or like, yeah, I, sometimes I'll say alternative rock or pop punk or like, I just, I don't really know what to say. And now like nowadays people are saying that I'm like a hyper pop artist or something like, I don't, I don't think I am, but I don't know. I'll, I'll take it. Like whatever people want to call me, it's, you know, music is subjective, but uh, I think there'll be like a new term at some point that'll come along yeah. that I'll fit more neatly into, but yeah. And, and it'll be terrible. Cause it's like, it's like a nickname, <laughs> no matter what somebody comes up with as a genre label or nickname. Like nobody ever likes them. Yeah, exactly. It's even just, like you, in can't, the early you can't pick days. your own either. You can't pick your own nickname. Yeah, even in the early days of the emo rap thing, I never really felt like that was the right term even back then. And now, like you were saying, I was watching earlier when you were talking about how the term doesn't really make sense. And like, especially now, it like really doesn't make sense for a lot of right. us that are like associated in the scene. So because nobody really does emo rap anymore. Not really. Yeah, I mean it exists, but yeah. It's the same people, but they don't, it's, yeah, nobody's really doing that. I think it's interesting though, in your kind of world, it really feels like it's a, a post genre world now where you could do stuff. I mean, if you wanted to make a rap song, like that would be fine. And nobody would question that. Um, you could put out a deathcore song and people would probably think that was cool too. It, it really feels like artists in your kind of scene and in your generation have the permission to kind of do whatever you want, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Honestly, I love it. Like, I feel like everything is kind of melding together and like this big melting pot, especially at least in the alternative music scene. You know, there's so many different genres coming together at once right now. And it's exciting. It's super exciting to be a part of it. Well, touring is something that a lot of artists in your world kind of don't really do that much of. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's by choice or they just don't know how to do it or what. Um, but you being in bands and stuff before you kind of know how to play shows and stuff in a way that a lot of people don't what made you decide to kind of do this tour right now uh, well i i recently got a new manager maybe like five months ago and i got like my first legit uh booking agent and i got an overseas booking agent now too so like all this kind of because i was always more on the diy side i never had managers or agent any of this stuff so it's all really new for me but um now i'm starting to get you know, tons of tour offers. I have a lot on the table right now that um, hopefully I'll be announcing soon and all that stuff's going to get, you know, figured out. But yeah, there's a lot of tours in the works that I'm excited to do. And I, I just keep telling my manager and my agent, like, I'll take pretty much anything, you know, like I just love touring. Uh, it's like my favorite thing to do. I love just traveling, playing music, meeting people. It's just, it's great. I love it, you know, and some people don't, a lot of people don't like touring. Like it's a very common thing, but for me, I love it. So I'm just telling them, you know, like, get me out there. Like, I'm ready to do it. And so when this offer came for the Lotus tour, I'm not sure exactly how it came about. I think maybe like his agent brought me up to him and he was like, oh, yeah, like we came up together because me and Lotus grew up in Dallas at oh, the same right. time. Yeah. And we both played in like local metalcore bands and whatnot. Um, and yeah. And then we both kind of both started these side projects around the same time in like 2016. And so we started hanging out all the time and making songs together. And there, we have a lot of early songs together. We made like five, six, seven, maybe even songs like in the first year. And so it was kind of like a full circle moment. You know, when I got this tour offer, I was like, yeah, of course. I mean, that's my boy. Like, that'd be sick to tour with him. Yeah. And so it, it, it was kind of short notice, but um, I really wanted a drummer. So I found a drummer um, here in Austin where I live now. Yeah, we just cranked it out. We were practicing like almost every day for a month straight. Um, getting this set really tight and because I was also like learning all my guitar parts because 
like I, I just kind of write the songs in, in the studio and then forget them. So I had to like relearn everything on guitar and like learn how to sing while playing guitar and have to make some like sacrifices here and there because some of the riffs I write, I can't sing while playing at all. So <laughs> right. I have to like make these uh, simple versions kind of, but um, yeah, so it came together really, really, really well. And this tour has been great. Like there was a, a few troubleshooting like problems here and there, which happens in every tour, but sure. For the most part, it's been really smooth and it's been great, like meeting everyone. And yeah, it's fun. So one of the things that I've found really inspiring about you is that you've been making a full time living for music for what now, like five years or so? Yeah, uh, I think I'm I'm coming up on five years, maybe even six years in December, something like that. And, yeah. and you're not, and I don't mean this in a shitty way, but like you're not a huge artist. You know, I mean, you you have a following, but you're not like. You're not huge. And I think it's really inspiring that somebody and you, you know, you've never really, like you said, you've always been DIY. You never really, you know, you've never been a clout chaser that does like wild shit, you know, <laughs> to get attention or any of that stuff. And yet you've been able to make a decent living off of just basically putting music out on, you know, Spotify from your home studio for five years. And I think that's fucking cool. Yeah, man. I mean, I just kind of went for it because like I always just worked shitty jobs. You know, I grew up like, I don't want to say like poor, but you know, like lower middle class. I grew up in apartments my whole life. Um, so I always kind of, I don't know. I definitely like, I never had a lot of money. So like for me, like having a couple thousand dollars is like sick. Like I'm rich. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so I went, you know, I was working at like Target and Subway and, uh, the last job I had before I quit and like went full time with music was a uh, Trader Joe's. And it was horrible. Like that was like the worst job of all time. Like I was just treated like shit by all the managers. And like, I was like straight up just bullied by everyone there. Like I was just like the punching bag of the whole store. And it was horrible. I was like crying all the time. I was like really stressed out. And I was like, you know, like, fuck, like, fuck this. I don't want to work some shitty job because all I care about is making music. And it's all I've ever cared about. You know, I don't want to do anything else. Like I'm just, I'm, I've always just been a musician and that's just what I want to do with my life. So it, it was just kind of like an easy decision for me to be like, you know what I'm making? Like at that point I was making, I don't know, like maybe like six, $700 a month on Spotify, you know, but I was like, but I was also hustling, you know, like I was selling beats, I was selling features. I was doing all that shit back then. So like every day I was on Twitter, like, you know, who wants to buy a beat? Who wants to buy a repost? You know, who wants to buy a SoundCloud repost? Like, and I was really hustling that kind of thing. So, you know, with all that, I was probably making maybe like 1500 all together with music stuff like just really hustling it and so that's when i was just like fuck it i'm gonna quit trader joe's uh i can you know like scrape by paying rent and bills right now and then it'll just keep going up from here and it did and you when know? you actually can devote 100 percent of your time and energy to it like that can make it grow exactly yeah that, that, that was exactly my mindset because like working at trader joe's fucking every day and it's like the super stressful thing and it's draining all my energy and i come home and i'm like i need to work on this song um, but I feel like shit and I would still do it. I would still, you know, like not sleep at all and work eight hours on music every day, go to work for another eight hours. And, you know, that was just my life for a long time. But yeah, my mindset was like, you know what, if I just quit this job and dedicate every minute of my life to music, then it'll just grow at a more rapid pace. And it did. And it all worked out that way, honestly. And, you know, I'm not like rich or by any means or even like super well off but like i've been able to pay rent and pay bills and you know 
survive this whole time and i mean that's the fucking dream i think the majority of people listening to this could probably give a fuck about getting rich they just want to be able to wake up every day and do something that they enjoy and just get by that's all i ever wanted you know and uh, fortunately i've been able to do better than that but i that's all i ever wanted is like can i just survive doing something i kind of enjoy yeah exactly exactly yeah and it, it was like that was my dream my entire life my dream was just to make a living off of music and when it's like this weird kind of thing because it's like when it happened i was like well what do i do now like i like achieved my like big goal of just like i'm paying my bills with music now and it kind of like fucked me up for a little bit because i was like i don't know like what's the next big goal you know um and I don't know, like, I think I've worked that out now. And it's like, my big goal now is just to make the best music I possibly can and reach as many people as I can. And, you know, like, that's, that's my goal now. It's more abstract, I guess. It's not like a set in stone thing, but. Well, how do you kind of work towards that on a day-to-day basis then? It's, you know, it's like, in, in a way, having the pressure of like having to pay bills, it kind of gives you a really clear set of goals is like, all right, rent's due in two weeks. I got to sell some fucking beats to make this happen. That's like a, a pretty straightforward goal, but when it's just, we'll make the best music I can, that's less straightforward. How do you kind of know every day whether you're doing that or not? I don't know. That's, that's the hard thing about it. It's like, I don't know, especially now, like I haven't made a new song in like two, three months because I've just been so busy with this whole album rollout and uh, the tour and just whatever industry stuff I've been doing the last few months. And uh, I started thinking like, man, you know, I got to start writing some new music. It's like, the longest break I've taken from writing new music in a while. And I mean, the pressure is always there where it's like, I got to write the best, best stuff I possibly can. And, you know, I'm planning on after this tour, I'm just going to sit down for the next like two or three months before the next tour comes along. Um, and just every day, you know, just crank it out at home, writing songs and demoing stuff out. And I want to get like a EP together, hopefully by either the end of this year or early next year. And, um, I already have like the, I think I have like two songs for it already kind of demoed out, but I want to do like six or seven, but yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's the goal, I guess, to make the best music I can. What do you do when you write something, you know, now that you've kind of reached the top of the mountain in some ways, when you feel like the stuff you're writing isn't great or isn't kind of what you want it to be? Whenever, I don't know, for me, like when I'm writing a video or anything else and it's not coming together, I like instantly panic and I wonder that I just, am I out of ideas now? Like, am I ever going to make something good again? Do you kind of have that same kind of thing or are you more chill? Oh yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Like that's, that's kind of how I'm feeling now. I'm like, can I, can I write a good song again? Like, cause it's been a while and like. I don't know. Like actually the other day, me and Lotus on tour, um, after one of the shows, we ended up just sitting down and cranking out a bunch of song ideas. Um, and we wrote one really cool song idea actually. So I, I guess I still got it, but, uh, <laughs> hopefully that one ends up getting, uh, fully fleshed out and released cause it's a really cool idea. But yeah, I mean, the thing is though, it's like with collaborating, I feel like it comes a lot easier to me and like, cause like all the stuff I do with 93, um, it's just us like having fun, you know, is he, is he kind of like your main collaborator? That's what it seems like. Yeah. I lived with him uh, in LA for like five years. So we spent tons of time together. Um, he's like one of my best friends of all time. Like I love that guy. And yeah, it's, it's really easy for us to make music together because we've made so many songs together at this point. 
like I don't, I don't even know how many but definitely probably 20 30 songs um at least and including unreleased ones because we've made a ton of songs that are just never going to come out because they're right. super crazy uh, or super weird or experimental but would you ever put that um, stuff out as like just bonus materials or maybe i don't know maybe you need to do an nft <laughs> maybe uh but it, maybe i don't know we have this one song actually he just sent me the other day that's really cool it's uh it was supposed to be old me part two actually it was like we referenced old me and we we're trying to make kind of the similar vibe and uh it's really cool we we're gonna try to get that finished before the end of the year but yeah i mean i just anyway so yeah when it comes to collaborating it's like that comes really easy to me especially with like my good friends and like we can just sit down and just throw ideas back and forth and make some fun stuff really easily but when i'm making like my own music it's like this weird totally different process like really introspective and it's like i gotta really like dig into my like emotions and my feelings and light some candles <laughs> yeah set the mood yeah. uh yeah so it's like two totally different the way i look at it is like two different things it's like my collaborating side which is like this fun kind of like having fun making music stuff like like being in a band kind of mm -hmm. feeling and then there's like the me alone in my room like thinking about my life like <laughs> kind of stuff so what would you say to somebody who wants to collaborate i mean it's i guess i don't want to say lucky but you know it's fortunate that you grew up with somebody as talented as, as lotus who happened to be kind of coming up he's kind of in the same place as you were in your career and lived in the same city um and you know that you lived with 93 and stuff what about somebody who lives in a shitty small town that wants to collaborate with people but they don't know anybody they don't have any followers what advice would you have for that person? It's all about the internet now. I mean, even like with me and Lotus in 93, like we all initially kind of linked up just through like Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Cause like me and Lotus weren't like, we were both in the same scene in Dallas. Like we played in similar bands and like we played shows together, but we never really talked or like, like we knew who each other were, but we never really like hung out. And like the first time we like started talking was like on Instagram. Okay. And that was the same thing with 93. Like the first time we ever like really became friends was just like DMing each other on Instagram. So or it's like the, like the weird thing. Like if you see a cute girl at a show and you DM her afterwards, you're like, Hey, I was too scared to say anything, but I just wanted to introduce myself. Yeah. It's literally like literally the same thing, but just with musicians. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, my advice to anyone like just living in a small town that like doesn't know what to do. It's like, you know, fuck the local scene. Like th those don't matter as much as they used to. And there's so many just like niche communities throughout SoundCloud and whatever Bandcamp, um, and that's where you got to start. You know, like if it wasn't for SoundCloud, I wouldn't have gotten anywhere. Like now, I rely almost entirely on Spotify and the bigger streaming services. But like at the beginning, like I really had to like build that community groundwork on SoundCloud. You know, and like collaborate with as many people as I could. And I, you know, I was I was doing so many collaborations in like 2016, 2017. It was that's all I did. Like I was just collaborating with producers, with other singers, and I wasn't really doing the like solo music as much then. And I feel like that's like the most important thing when you're trying to like get out there at first is just hit everyone up. Anyone who's doing anything you think is cool, just bother everybody. Try to make as many friends as you can, like on the internet. That that's that's the way to do it now. It's the best way to do it. I always say that you should be willing to like for for anyone who's afraid to be annoying be annoying like don't be the most annoying person on earth like there's a point at which you're just being a fucking punisher but 
you have to be willing to step over that line a little bit. And people will, if you're good, people will appreciate it. They'll be like, man, I'm, I'm glad you fucking bothered me for a year to do this because this is awesome. Yeah, exactly. Um, if, if you think that you're just going to be able to sit back and put stuff out and somehow people are going to find it and reward you with money and attention, it's not going to happen. You yeah. got to go out there and you got to put yourself out there and you can't be afraid to be a self-promoter and you can't be afraid to be a little bit annoying. Um, at least that's my advice. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think to that point, though, there's like another layer to it where it's like, because like for me, when I was like, you know, hitting a lot of people up, it was all people that are around the same following that I had mm -hmm. at the time, you know, and most of almost all those people, unless they stop making music are all successful now, you know. Um, but at the time, we all had like under a thousand followers on everything. Like, you know, like we were like small artists mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things. I mean, not that I'm a big artist now, but, you know, like super small back then. Like, yeah. And I think that's the important thing is it's like a lot of people think that they have to like blow up all of their like favorite artists and that's the only way to do it. But you have to like find people who are talented, but are in, at your same like level, you know, mm -hmm. and then kind of build a community from there. And I think that's, that's a big thing. Some people miss is it's like, yeah, you have to like, if you have a thousand followers, you should hit up everyone you can find that's super talented that has around a thousand followers because they're way more likely to work with you than someone who has 20,000 yep. followers and collaborates with big artists. Like they're not going to read your DM. Yeah. I mean, you know, give it a try, but don't expect it's it. It's a shot. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but that's not, that's not where it's going to probably not what's going to move the needle. And the other thing I would say is, that you won't know which of those relationships are going to end up being pivotal, but there's people, you know, they're like the reason why some people in, you know, like why somebody from converge will answer my email now is because they know me from being around 20 years ago, you know? And even if you just made friends with somebody at a show nine years ago, they'll remember that you were there and they'll know that that means you aren't just a clout chaser that discovered them six months ago and wants to do something with them. They'll remember that you were there at that local show nine, nine years ago, and they will be way, way, way more likely to say yes or to help you out or whatever than if you were just some random person off the street. So, you know, just like showing up and being present and commenting on people's shit and stuff, just remind people that you exist and that stuff will pay off. You know, you shouldn't do it with the expectation of like, oh, this is going to be a relationship that's going to benefit me financially in the future. But, you know, you should know that that will happen. It's like planting seeds and you don't know which are going to grow into something, but some of them will. Yeah, exactly. And it just and takes also, time. Like, yeah. And with like the whole live thing, too, like I think it's really important, like if you, you know, really like someone's music to go see them live, you know, and like. Don't be like weird about it, but like, you know, like make it known that you were there and you saw them and appreciated their show, you know? And like, to me, like that always sticks out to me when someone comes out and I meet them and they're like super excited about my show. And then they hit me up on Instagram and then I like, we'll check out their music, you know? And like, cause I, I this whole tour, I've been doing that the whole time. Like anytime someone like makes an impression on me and then they DM me later, I'm like, oh yeah, that's that guy. Like I'll check out his right. songs, you know? And like that, that's a pretty- They made the effort to go see you and- you know, you appreciate that. And so of course you're going to be more inclined to, you know, help them out if you can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling is coming soon from crowd network just search for death of a rock star on your podcast app and subscribe now but first i want to thank distro kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast if you're not familiar distro kid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services so in plain language if you have ever wondered how to get your music on itunes spotify apple music youtube music amazon deezer title and many many more there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. Let's back up a little bit. Like the, the pivotal part that I'm interested in is sort of how you get from, you know, having a hundred followers or whatever to making 600 bucks a month on Spotify and realizing that you can kind of take the leap and tell the boss at Trader Joe's to fuck off. Um, a lot of people think that it's impossible to make money off Spotify, but I know from, I mean, we all know, we both know tons of people who make lots of money off Spotify. So I know oh, that's yeah. not, not true. What are the key things that you did to get to that point? I think the, the really important things in the early years was it was a lot of like luck or whatever. I don't know if luck's the right word, but I think it was like a lot of like right place, right time kind of stuff. Like, like a star just randomly found me, you know, like 
I think on like it was like my third or fourth song I ever put out he messaged me and I was already a fan of his channel like I've been watching his channel for years at that point and so I was like holy shit a star hit me up like this is crazy and I was losing my mind and he was like hey man I really like this song do you want me to like upload uh like an anime AMV video to it or do you want um to shoot a video for it and I was like oh shit you know I should I should shoot a music video uh, and this was like my first video I'd ever shot in my life because all the hardcore metalcore bands I was in, like, I don't know why we never shot music videos. We just never did. It was, it always seemed like something that signed bands did. It was like, right, oh, if you're right. like a local DIY band, you don't do music videos. That's like, you can't do that. Big, yeah. You can't do that. <laughs> Even though we totally could have just filmed some shitty videos and put them on YouTube. But anyway, so that was, that was my first, I was like, you know, 21, 22. And that was the first video I'd ever done in my life. And Lotus actually shot it. Uh, Which video was that? Uh, it was for man what is that song called i'm so bad with my own songs i can never remember the names of them <laughs> okay now i don't feel bad for for not remembering the titles because you don't either <laughs> yeah no i'm terrible uh it's like a long it's like a long name but uh it's like this it's like this myspace kind of sounding song like it's super like medic droid sounding <laughs> okay um man so you were you were early to that yeah, there was this weird scene that like has completely disappeared at this point. But I don't know if you know who like Young Jizza is or like mm-hmm. Josh Reffy or yeah, they're they're kind of like lost in time at this point. But they were like kind of doing this whole like MySpace revival sound in like 2015, 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was working with those guys a lot. Uh, I hung out with Jizza a couple times, and this guy Josh Reffy produced that song, and it was like a straight up like Medic Droid, like Broken Side kind of beat, right. you know, like the dancey synths and all that. Um, and I was just like doing super heavy auto tune singing and you should just put it, that same song out again. It's probably not that many people know it. And now you'll just be like super on trend. Yeah. That's yeah. It's like coming back kind of again. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, so I did that and, um, it got a lot of hate. Like we dropped <laughs> it. Uh, it was funny. It was actually the day that Donald Trump got elected I oh, think. great timing. Like literally, yeah, like literally the same day, like within like a couple hours. Fuck and Donald so, like, Trump, fuck Broken Side, and fuck this kid. No, literally, like literally like half of the comments were like, fuck Donald Trump, fuck this song. And it got like like the hor- like a horrible ratio. It was like negative 2,000 or 2,000 dislikes and like 1,000 likes. How did you how you feel about that? That must have sucked. <laughs> It was a weird, it was like a weird feeling because I was like really stoked. So I was like, I'm on a star. Like this is yeah. sick. And it's getting plays and I'm getting attention and followers and stuff, but it's also getting like crazy hate. Like so much hate on the auto-tune and the MySpace shit. Like every comment was like, too much auto-tune, stupid MySpace shit, like everything. Um, but you know, it ended up working out because I kept dropping videos with him, you know, like I just kept. I was like, I need to capitalize on the situation, you know, like not in like a weird way, but it's like, I should just keep sending him videos and just see if he, if he likes any of them, you know? Yeah. And I just started grinding. Like I, that was like kind of my goal for a while. I was like, I got to shoot a really good video with a song that Starry likes and just keep trying to drop videos on the Starry. And yeah, it's like, that was kind of like, that really helped me. Like I, I really like owe a lot to a Starry. Like he really helped kind of like start my career early on and that that, that channel is so fucking cool like especially at that time i mean not that it isn't relevant now but at that time he was like really 
documenting all that shit. And I thought that was such a fucking cool scene. It really made me feel like the early MySpace days again, when there was just all these random bands coming out of nowhere. I'm like, who the fuck are all these kids doing this cool shit that sounds like nothing else? Like, who are these people? And, yeah. uh, it, it's, it's what he has really done a lot for the scene. And, um, I, I'm just glad he exists. Yeah, no, he's, he's a legend. You know, there's not really anyone else like him, like in the music scene. Um, cause you know, I, I was wondering if he was like one of these promo channels that, you know, charges or how, how that works. No, yeah. I was about to say, cause his whole thing is like, he only uploads stuff that either like he's found and he's hit up the artist and been like, yo, I really like this. Or it's like someone he's worked with before, like in my case where it's like, I had that one video with him. So I just kind of kept bothering him like forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, since we already had that one video, he was more inclined to work with me again. But yeah, I mean, that's his whole thing is like, he doesn't take submissions. He doesn't take payment. And I mean, as far as I know, like, I don't, I don't think he ever has like he's, it's a very like curated channel, like to his mm-hmm. taste which I think is really cool because that doesn't really exist. Like even now, like there's not many channels that are like just on that curation kind of shit, you know, which I think is really cool. There needs to be more of that, honestly. Yeah. I think it would be cool. Um, I, I wish that I could do it, but you know, it's just not what my people want. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm not the person to do it, but I, I think it's cool. I, I totally agree. So anybody watching this, like the scene needs this shit. I know there's a lot of people who are interested in doing that kind of thing. And because people ask me about that, although do you think there's, you know, I could do a channel that's just like promoting small artists I like. And like, yes, definitely. Because that's yeah. the that's the downside, I guess, of uh, music being so accessible now is that there's so much shit coming out that it's impossible to listen to even a fraction of it. So if if you can, if you're really good at curating, if you have like a really specific point of view, that's actually really valuable. And over time, you know, you can be in a story or maybe lyrical lemonade or whatever. Like that's a very valuable like resource for the scene. Yeah. Oh yeah. Lyrical lemonade. That's, that's like, I guess the big, and that's the top of the food chain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but in, in any, I mean, even fucking slam worldwide, you know, <laughs> I mean, they've been doing that stuff for like 10 years, but again, but, who else is going to put that stuff out? Yeah. I was, uh, I remember, I don't know if it was that channel, but one of those old deathcore channels used to upload my old band, Iori, and I was so stoked about that back in the day. I was like, oh, we're on Slam Worldwide. It wasn't that (laughs) one, but it was like a similar channel at the time that did like the top 10 breakdown kind of videos. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that was like making it back then when you're you're on one of those channels. Totally. It's interesting how the goalposts move. Like, I mean, I remember for me making videos, like I would get 10,000 views on a video in like a week. And I was thrilled. Yeah. Or back in the day when I was making zines and I would sell a hundred of them, I was, I was stoked. I was like, Whoa, there's a hundred people that bought my stupid zine. And I I really try to, it's, uh, it's hard. I try to stay in that place of like, remember when all you wanted was what you already have. Um, but it's, it's hard, you know, to kind of balance that with also, hustling and trying to grow and like stay grateful at the same time how do you kind of balance those things uh i mean it's definitely hard you know to balance everything in that sense but i don't know it's, it's good to just for me to just kind of take it day by day i try not to like be too grandiose with my plans and stuff and you know i try to just kind of keep it humble as much as i can 
I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely that's a hard balance, like especially with the, the like trying to always stay grateful, which is super important to stay grounded. Mm-hmm. You know, I never want to get a big ego about anything. You know, I try not to, you know, who knows? Maybe I do have a big ego, but I try not to have one. <laughs> you know, there's some people in your scene that are like really huge personalities for better, or for worse. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing necessarily, but you know, those are the people where I, I, I do kind of wonder if some of them maybe uh, got lost in the sauce, as uh, as Gucci says, you know, maybe believe their own hype a little bit. And those are definitely the people where you look at them and you're like, this may end badly because that's like the first step. Like believing your own hype is the first step towards a lot of bad things happening or believing that you have to like play a character kind of. You know what I mean? And and you don't seem to really get into any of that. I try not to. I mean, I don't know. I I try to like be myself as much as I can. I mean, there's like kind of like a character you kind of have to play no matter what, you know, there's like, yeah, like I learned early on, like the whole like stage voice thing. And like, like when I'm on stage, I I try to project and be really loud and really engaging and stuff like that, because you don't want to be the guy on stage just like mumbling into the mic. Like, right even though like that's kind of my my personality honestly is to be kind of like mumbly and like awkward but i have to like fight that you know um as much as i can at least when i'm on stage but i don't look at it as like me like i don't know it's like a character to an extent but it's like an extension of myself i guess yeah i mean we all people are multifaceted and we all have different versions of ourselves and when you are in that situation you need to put on the extroverted version of yourself yeah exactly. and then afterwards they're like holy shit i'm tired i just want to go <laughs> hide and not talk to anybody for a day yeah no that, that's been me the last two days <laughs> it's yeah. like uh two days off a of tour time to just lay in bed all day and not do anything i guess with the story rappers in particular not to say that you are necessarily one of them but you know that's part of where you come from you know <laughs> there's a certain segment of those people where i look at that video and i'm like man I'm worried about this person. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I know what you mean. And oftentimes those are the people that also forge the biggest emotional connection with their audience because their, their audience is going through a lot of the same things. And that's cool. I'm glad that they, I mean, Lotus would be a good example of this. There's a lot of people who I don't want to say that they encourage that stuff, but you know, you sort of know that that's why people are interested in you because of this kind of dark part of your life and you look at it and you're like i'm worried about this person that's been yeah a big part of my entire life is like trying to make sure you know my friends are okay because i'm a friend friends with a lot of those people and drugs are scary man like that's that's not not just drugs just all just all of it you know yeah like yeah exactly just being that person it's like when when it when it's not a character i guess is the part that worries me when it's yeah. like, oh, you're the, the the person in the video. Like, I feel like you're that person 24-7. Yeah, it's weird because like, I'm, I don't know, like I've always been around people that are kind of like that extroverted kind of like party type person. And I'm like, I can be that way. Like I can definitely like fit in and have fun and like, you know, like I'll, I can fit in with the party crowd for sure. I've learned how to do that over the years and I like partying and like, it's fun. Like I like to sure. like let loose and have a good time, but um, I'm definitely not like that person at all times. And yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a difficult thing. Like I, I, I'm always worried 
about people for sure. Like, and I'm always trying to look out for people as much as I can because I hope they do the same thing for me, you know, if I'm ever going through it. I do think it's cool to see people like you or Gucci who seem to be pretty low key. Um, I don't know if introverted is the word necessarily because it's not like, it's not like you guys are social cripples or something like that, but like, you know, you guys are pretty quiet, low key people. And I think it's cool to see that even in a world where, you know, in a lot of ways, I feel like being a musician now is almost more about being an an internet personality who happens to make music than being a musician. And, and you guys are two examples of people that kind of don't really do that and have been able to have really successful careers and that's inspiring to me and i'm sure to a lot of other people too because the majority of musicians are that like the the majority of musicians are not fucking david lee roth you know yeah i think it's an interesting thing because like for me like i was always like like the keyboard player or the guitar player or whatever or the drummer like i was always like the background musician for most of my life, like I was never the front man. Um, and cause I never thought I could sing. I always thought I was a bad singer my whole life. I was like, I can't sing. I know it's not me. Like I was, you know, like everyone says that, that can you actually probably sing. But, um, yeah, like early on, I was super like not confident about my singing voice and I never tried really singing. I just like assumed I was a bad singer. Um, like I did some screaming here and there. Like I, I did, I did front, like, a couple of bands near the very end of my like band career. But even then I wasn't like the enigmatic, like crazy front man, you know, jumping around stage and shit. But yeah, like that's kind of been like a learning experience for me is becoming more like confident and crazy on stage. Cause that's like not really what I ever was. Like when I was a keyboard player in the first band I was in, we were called regrets of despair. It was the first metal band I was in. Solid name. I, <laughs> I would literally just sit or I would stand like completely still and just play keyboard and I would not look and I would not look up I would not move I was just like a statue just playing the keyboard like terrified to be right. even on stage um and it took me a long time to break out of that show like I probably played like a hundred shows like that before I was even slightly comfortable on stage and I owe a lot of that to this uh like performance art noise rock kind of band i played in in my early 20s for a little bit um which was just like a total crazy thing where like we could break stuff on stage and we're all just like jumping around and screaming and like it's just super chaotic energy and like that was the whole point of the band and uh i think that really helped me like break out of my shell and i, I definitely like use that i like always think about that when i'm on stage i'm like i gotta like bring that energy you know to a, at least a little bit of that energy because it's just fun I, like i always love it when i'm watching a band and they're like killing it but then they're also kind of like jumping around and like they look like they're having a great time and I'm like damn no, that's cool i don't want to be like the statue ever on stage and that I, right now i feel kind of stuck to my guitar because i'm playing guitar on this tour and yeah. i think i want to find a guitar player sooner than later and i've so never can, liked the singer who also plays guitar. I mean, I guess it works for a few bands, you know, it works for green day, but for the most part, it just, it just feels so low energy to me. I know it, it's like, I'm trying like, cause on this tour, um, I actually like really have fucked up my knee. Cause like every night I keep doing the same thing where I'm like 
playing my guitar and then I'll just like fall onto stage like really hard onto my knee and because of the guitar weight and everything I'm like slamming into the stage and my knee had this has this huge gash in it right now that was like bleeding through my shorts and my pants the last couple of shows because I keep falling in the same spot and it's like this huge fucked up gnarly cut now if only there was a uh, way to stop doing that <laughs> i'd want to stop <laughs> the, the last couple of shows is like i'm not gonna fall on stage this time but i keep doing it because i keep getting really into it and i don't know what else to do because i'm like stuck to this guitar i'm like i guess i just fall but yeah you gotta I practice you moshing like, in the mirror like myspace kids <laughs> i i would if i wasn't stuck to my guitar that's the problem yeah. so yeah i'm really trying to find a guitar player soon that can play my guitar parts and so i can just be more of the wild front man there's so many um i guess i'll say i I hate saying rapper because i don't think you're a rapper but there's a lot of people from that kind of scene that suck shit at playing shows because they were never in bands like i saw i don't i maybe he's better now but like i saw a video of bones years ago playing some show in la and he was fucking awful and I mean, I think he's a, I think he's brilliant, but it's like, I mean, he probably had never really played shows before, so it's not his fault. It's just like, it's like anything else. It takes practice to be good at it. Unless you're like some freak natural talent. I saw Lil Nas X also probably play like his fifth show at the Amazon company picnic. (laughs) Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and it was obvious that he was super awkward. He had like a, his DJ was like, you know, probably my age and was probably some old guy that they hired to like, kind of, you know, coach him. And, and you could tell he was sort of like telling him what to do. It'd be like, all right, tell him what time it is. And like, sort of look like, okay, now go over that way. Um, but I mean, you know, he was doing what he had to do. He was, he was putting in the reps and like, you know, getting better at the skills. So it's one of those things where, you know, you think that, Uh, like a big thing in my life is a lot of things that I thought were a waste of time ended up being really valuable later on. And so like, you think that playing all those random local shows with some crappy band where you just stood there like a statue, you know, that that's a reason why you're able to play shows now that don't suck because you know, your first hundred shows are probably going to suck and you just got to get those out of the way. And you did that years ago. Yeah, I'm really glad I did. You know, I'm super glad I got that on my system when I was young because who knows? Like, yeah, if if my first shows ever were like the Fat C shows, that would have been a disaster. <laughs> that yeah. would have been so bad. I would be so unprepared for that because like the first shows we did for the most part were um, those tours we did in like 2018, 2019, where it was like me, 93, Garden, Convolk, um, Super Chef M just like pretty much all the homies. And for a lot of people on that tour, it was like their first time playing shows. Right. You know, so like it was definitely a learning experience for most of us. And I mean, it was easy though, because it was just, we were just doing, you know, like the kind of rapper type set where it's just play the backtrack, sing over the backtrack. Walk back and (laughs) forth. (laughs) Yeah, pretty, pretty simple. Uh, yeah. which was like funny to me at the time. Cause I'm like, all right, I mean, I guess we'll do it this way. If, if this is what other people are doing, it feels right. really wrong, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Rap shows are not great. Like even, even like good rappers mostly have really bad shows. You know, you've already changed so much in the whatever, four or five years that you've been making music, although it still kind of feels consistent to me. It's clear that you've kind of changed quite a bit since then. Where do you see this going from here as far as, you know, the sound of your music? 
That's a good question. I, I have like a lot of ideas bubbling around in my head. Like I want to do one album that's like heavy, like way heavier than anything I've done. Kind of like almost like, I don't know, like I want to almost do like an easy core kind of thing, which is I'm kind of touching on that a little bit in my last album, but like I want to do like a lot of like breakdowns with singing over it kind of stuff, but like mm-hmm. in my own way, kind of like the bad news kind of sound. Yep. Um, like I, I love that song. Wanna, that one came out so well. Hell yeah. Thank you. I, I think um, the world is ready for that. <laughs> no, yeah, I really I think, do. I think it's, yeah, I think it's time. Like, I think that's a, it's a combination of sounds that hasn't been explored enough, I think yet. And I think doing like a whole album like that would be really cool. Um, but besides that, I do want to do like another album at some point, like probably like years on the line, but like more of like a, like a chill album, like almost like, uh, like Frank Ocean blonde kind of thing, like very atmospheric, slow kind of songs, but like in my style, um, I think that would be fun. But those are kind of like the two, the two directions I've been thinking about going lately. Like I want to do like the really heavy album, like easy core kind of thing. And then the real introspective atmospheric kind of album. So that, that might change, but like right now that's kind of where my head is at. Well, the chat is definitely on board with the easy core. <laughs> so for whatever that's worth, uh, we have a couple questions. Uh, first one, I know the answer to this question, but I, I, I like it. What is the uh, inspiration behind your name? Because this is this is one of the best name stories. Yeah, yeah, I get this a lot. Uh, so I was briefly in this um, hip hop collective kind of group in Dallas uh, called Profit House Records. Um, we were only a thing for like maybe a year and a half at the most, but, uh, I did all the production for it and I did some like singing and some rapping and we put out so much music in that short period of time. Like we put out probably over a hundred songs and we played one show, but we had this one early song, which was just like a freestyle. And this is, I was still, I think I was still living with my mom at the time. And I think it was like at my mom's house at her apartment in my room we were just freestyling this dumb song and in one of the the lines i said like it's something like it's a big fat c on the mic or something like that because your name is charlie yeah i think my brain was going with it's big fat charlie in the mic yeah uh and for some reason like everyone else in the collective just like loved that line and they were always saying it um, and it ended up just kind of sticking with me. Like I never, I didn't choose it. Like it, it literally was chosen by my friends, uh, at the time. And I just became fat C, but it was like, at first it was spelled like F A T space C and it was like that in the, the, the rap group I was in. And then whenever I started doing the solo stuff and I realized that I kind of wanted to incorporate guitar and singing and all this stuff more and like take more of an emo influence with my solo stuff, I was like, this name doesn't make any sense, but I'm still going to keep it because I don't know what else to do, I guess. And so I just changed the spelling. Your cool Astari spelling if you're a bad high school rap name. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's that's the story. It's it's a weird one. I, I tried to change my name like multiple times. That's why um, like my handles and everything are Young Burial because like I tried to change my name to Young Burial, but it just like didn't work. And like so many people were just like, go back to Fatsy, go back to Fatsy. And so, yeah, now I kind of have like two names. The way I like to think of it is Fatsy is my first name and Young Burial is my last name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's, you can be like, uh, 
what's uh it's like gucci and guwap you know like everyone yeah. has their like alternate name exactly yeah it like works. little wayne tunchi yeah or wheezy he has like multiple ones yeah uh all right got a couple more um what's your personal favorite song from funeral march and your favorite song with 93 funeral march oh that's an old one uh probably the first song of funeral march can't remember what it's freaking called oh pins and needles that one's a cool one. It's uh, that was kind of like an early take on the emo pop pop punk kind of direction I'm going with my newer stuff. Um, and then what was the second question? Uh, favorite song with ninety three. Favorite song ninety three. Oh fuck! I would say probably something off our newest EP, Quantum Mountain. I really like the first track on that album taser i don't know why i just love that song it's it's like really weird and doesn't really sound like anything else i think that's why i like it so much so yeah i think i'll go taser okay uh on the same note when are you making a band with 93 and anxiety attacks <laughs> a band um yeah i don't know maybe someday but we definitely are working on more stuff like we're gonna for sure put out more music with us three so whether it's a band or not, we're definitely doing more music together and it's probably going to sound kind of like a band. So, Okay. Uh, any plans for a South American tour now that you got a real booking agent and all that? I was talking to my manager about this and I, I guess because I have a, like a European booking agent, but that doesn't cover South America. So I think I would need a separate South American booking agent to even start considering that. But it's definitely something I want to do someday. Like it's, it's going to happen because I know I have a lot of supporters out in Brazil and Argentina, like all my like biggest fan pages are all Brazil, Argentina pages. Come so. to Brazil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what tuning do you play in? I'll learn your songs and send you some playthroughs. Is it just on a six string? So I play a baritone six string guitar uh, and I play in this weird modified midwest emo american football kind of tuning which is uh like it's basically like a it's like a gent tuning mixed mm -hmm. with a midwest emo tuning uh because it's like a g sharp d sharp g sharp so it's like d female sharp. repellent exactly yeah uh <laughs> it's we just did an incel music compass so you know yeah it's it's the this incel is very tuning. appropriate yeah the <laughs> incel tuning yeah yeah so yeah, it's 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 a weird tuning, but I think it's unique, and that's why I like it, and that's why I've stuck with it because I I still to this day have not met anyone that plays in the tuning I do, or yeah, like the, the even the concept of like a super down tuned Midwest emo tuning is, <laughs> I think, kind of futuristic in its own way. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, um, I guess that's all we have. Thank you so much for uh, joining here. Happy that we finally did it, and uh, hopefully, if you make it through Seattle or Portland, uh, let me know, and we'll uh, we'll try to head out. Oh yeah, definitely, man. And I just want to say, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of your stuff. I have been for years, you know, before you ever talked about me or anything. So when you first mentioned me in a video, that that was super cool. And yeah, I'm, I'll I'll keep watching your stuff. Love your content, man. Well, I appreciate it. It legitimately makes me happy that you know there's people from your generation that watch my stuff because. You know, I, I'm it, it. It's it's fine to talk to other old people. That's cool. But um, you know, it makes me happy that there's some people that aren't just uh, old new metal fans that watch my stuff too. So I appreciate that. <laughs> Hell yeah, man! I'm a big fan. Cool. Well, I will talk to you later. Thanks again. All right, later, man. All right, my friends. That does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. 
If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or were nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.